Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, 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 my friends, episode 101. Friday's episode, like I've said, maybe you are aware, I'm going to try to make two podcasts a week. Tuesday will be the music um, music industry, um, heavy metal, rock, banter, whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe the lighter side of the podcast, I don't know. really depends, remains to be seen. And Friday will be um, where I talk to different people, if and when it allows, and um, maybe more um, cultural opinion, spicier meatballs, so to speak. There'll be some stuff about politics, history, all that kind of thing on the Friday. So... That's what's going to happen. This is a pretty special episode, actually 101, and perfectly fits into the Friday remit. Before I start, though, the podcast is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. If you're in North America, you can get 10% off if you go to their website and take a look at some of the stuff. You might want to buy, who knows, the new Cannibal Corpse album, the new Satan album. Um, So much good stuff over 40 years of history. And below... Um, in the YouTube links, the description, you will find some um, Spotify playlists I've made of old Metal Blade stuff. Go and check them out. If you are interested in sponsoring the show or getting involved somehow, just send me a direct message on whatever platform you like. There's an Agent Taters Anonymous Facebook page um, or just Nemthiango underscore Primordial is my Instagram. Um, the numbers are moving exponentially, thousands and thousands per week. Of you are listening or else it's just one of you listening thousands and thousands of times but maybe in that event you have a lot of money and you'd like to buy a lot of one other thing that perhaps someone would like to sponsor me for so maybe you've got a uranium um, mining plant in the Caucasus as I said before maybe you own a company that injects caffeine underneath your eyeballs sounds good to me get in touch I have a captive audience anyway This is a cool episode um, and something that just came up totally randomly. 
It's an interview with Katy Raun, who has released a whole bunch of uh, very interesting stuff. Multi-instrumentalist. She's worked with Mirker. She's done an album with Gal from Galsvird and Gorgoroth. She's um, contributed music to um, various movies, um, including the soundtrack for the new Netflix Valhalla spin-off. She's been involved in writing music for computer games, um, all sorts of stuff. And I suppose she's involved in what one would call the... I suppose folk noir could you call it new folk scene I guess which is spearheaded by people like Heilung um, I wrote an article for a magazine maybe uh, two or three years ago called um, the summer festival headdress blues and it was basically observing all of these kind of bands that seem to the metal seem to at least to have come from nowhere who are now headlining all the festivals and I spoke to certain grumpy metal heads who at the time were like who the hell are all these bands man I must admit at the time I thought who the hell are all these bands and then I began to watch um, with sort of you know peripheral interest as to what was happening there and I have to say that even though the music kind of leaves me a bit on the shore it's a bit too world music-y sometimes for me I think the cultural resonance that this music represents is very important. And if it allows people to find a way to their culture and history, then this is great. And it also seems to very much fit into an optical age that we live in. It's music that's connected to gaming. It's music that's connected to, I suppose, um, the whole fantasy cosplay LARPing scene, if that's correct, on some level. Not to demean it, of course. Um but it also has taken on some other form of cultural resonance. And that's what I tried to get into in this interview with Kati, is about does this have some greater sort of cultural historical echo of something that is um, innate within the West that maybe it's lost. And this music is on some level, to some small cultural zeitgeist awakening some of that. Or is it just, and also a trend, a musical trend that has been lifted to the top of um, our awareness by you know shows such as Vikings and that kind of thing it can be both personally um, I think it's a really sort of a great trend if you want to call it like that a positive trend um, how great it is to look over and see a band like that with some sort of cultural resonance headlining a festival rather than some you know misogynistic grindcore singing about murdering prostitutes or whatever else you know what I mean something dumb um, I just can't um, relate to that or whatever else you want to call it. Pig squeal grind. I don't know. Though, of course, Alan, those bands aren't headlining festivals. I, you know what I mean. Um, there's just something satisfying about watching something that seems to have a greater cultural historic resonance than, for example, Frog Leap. If you don't know what that is, please don't bother. Um, so it uh, was basically I noticed... Um, Katy Ran making a post Ran, sorry, she'll kill me for that making a post about cancel culture cancel, cancel culture and I thought ah, uh, here's someone who seems to have some of the similar views to me about these topics um, although we don't really get into that because I'm sure most of you are sick of hearing me talk about cancel culture and censorship and all that kind of thing it's more about her journey through this um, musical uh, through the musical career path that she's chosen, how it sort of perfectly dovetails with the um, optical trends of the time, with gaming, with all sorts of stuff. So anyway, without further ado, 
my friends. Episode 101 and the first female guest I have on the podcast, which is great and hopefully some thing that I can change as we move forward is Katy Rahn. Let's do it. All right, Katy Rahn. Is that correct? I, yes. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good effort, yeah. <laughs> Not a bad effort. Right. Well, let's start at the start because most of the people that I speak to, I suppose, are um, heavy metal acquaintances, people I've sat in backstages with, whether it's dudes, old thrash metal dudes from the 80s, black metal people, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you've had a, I mean, you know, doing my bit of homework over the weekend and all that kind of stuff, you've had a pretty different journey to where all of this sort of ends. So maybe just sort of tell me how you managed to be where you are now. And we're going to sort of go through all of the things that you've been lending your vocals to. You're originally Dutch and stuff, right? But in yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so my origin lies also in, in my country with uh, attending fantasy and folk festivals. So I, I come from such a different uh, background probably than uh, maybe other artists that you know, end up doing something with other metal artists or in this scene. What, what do you but, mean? Uh, yeah, I started out. Sorry. What do you mean fantasy what? festival? Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to tell you it's uh, it's we've got festivals in Holland where people dress up uh, like elves, a little bit comparable to the Comic-Con uh that we have in the usa or goblins or orcs um i think that grew from this whole lord of the rings hype that was happening a decade ago and people doing role-playing games and DD and stuff like that so i come from this very you could say fancy nerdy background uh getting acquainted with actually folk music uh celtic music Slavic music and uh, there I, I got to meet people who also work in theater and work with old instruments and also combine that with archaeology okay. so that yeah so my start was was in that really kind of niche corner uh, doing workshops about the history of music through uh, you know eras basically starting from sticks and stones to wind instruments to string instruments to what we have today um yeah i just learned some instruments i was just very interested in them uh really captivated me so yeah my 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 origin is yeah, I would say rooted in that fantasy Celtic uh, kind of expression uh, and and also the sound aspects of that. Um, and I think where where I, I made a little bit of a different route is that I didn't necessarily wanted to play these very traditional tunes that people uh, all know and get together with in, in a pub, for example. Uh, but I wanted to make my own sounds and tunes, and I had this very vivid imagination of combining that with Scandinavian folklore. So it was already like 2008, 2009, where I stuck my nose uh, in the direction of the north and uh, and really loved uh, the type of traditional music that was coming from there, but also these stories about Huldre, trolls, you know, uh, mountain uh, giants and things like that. So gradually I moved into uh, Nordic Nordic instrumentation. Hmm. Yeah. 
So pre pre uh, Viking music uh, hype, you would say. <laughs> well, it's a whole it's a whole situation that sort of fascinates me because, um, I mean, okay, if we go all the way back to D and D or something, and I used to play that when I was eleven or twelve years old. Um, but yeah. it, you know, it was like sitting around listening to Man of War in 1987 or something, you know, or 86 or something like this. But <clears throat> you know, that's not, neither here nor there, really. But it's a sort of a scene that I've find um, the way into it. You know, whether it's mm. through these middle alter festivals and all these kind of bands. <laughs> I suppose my first exposure to that would have been maybe 1996, seven, eight, seeing um, In Extremo or Corvus Corax or something. And because I was yeah. always into goth and stuff, yes. it seemed only a yes. step from there back to Fields of the Nephilim and Sisters of Mercy on some strange exactly. level. But yeah. but I was totally alien to um, whatever you want to call the sort of um, gaming aspect of it. And that's mm -hmm. what I find really fascinating about that scene now. Yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I also had the goth period and and everything of branching out of that uh, type of music. Um, so I guess you could say it already met with a little bit more darker music. And uh, with the gaming aspect, I I when I was sixteen, I actually I, I ran through the forest pretending I was a, a ranger elf, you know, shooting bow and arrows with uh, a group of friends. And uh, we, we just made up these stories in our minds because uh, we couldn't find our way into the regular discos that were happening for young people. Sure. You know, we wanted to really flee into our own uh, type of fantasy world. And I think a lot of these people actually ended up doing something artistic later in life, you know, whether it was becoming an illustrator or doing something with music or working actually in game stores. Um, but yeah, there was this knack for for something other than you know the regular pop music on the radio. Um, so even with doing the the role playing games, we already listened to this. Well, I would have to say embarrassingly new agey kind of background music. Or uh, yeah, of course we discovered the goth music, the death can dance, acts like this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think. It was a good, for me, for the type of music I'm doing today, uh, I think it was a good good starting point, you know, to yeah. have that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's sort of as an old metalhead who, I mean, to me, I never gamed really. I was never really interested in things like that. Um, it, I watched the rise of bands like Heilung and all this kind of stuff with sort of, um, you know, morbid curiosity and, you know, I'm very interested as to why it sort of became... Um, yeah. At the end of festivals, when it never seemed yeah. to pay its, how we say it, pay its dues by yeah. working its way to the end of the festivals. And I think that part of what it is, is, um, and this is one of the kind of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, was for me, what it is, it's the, um, the, the over the last 10 years with the growth of social media and all sorts of stuff like this, um, we've most definitely passed from an aural to a visual world more yeah. so for young people to me as the, yeah. as you know somebody who's maybe a bit older or whatever and so mm -hmm. the uh, stuff like Heilung because it's so optically fascinating now I think yeah. pers personally when you take away the optics the music doesn't do much for me personally um, well, but, I, but, but I realize that as a person who doesn't associate that music 
with um, gaming, for example, I, I understand completely the sensory um, sensory um, um, immersement in it, if you were to apply it to all of these other things, such as gaming. But I realize I'm completely kind of left on the shelf, sort of, yeah. um, with trying to understand part of it. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Oh, it does. Um, yeah, I think that also has a little bit to do with... Well, it has to do with a lot of things. We can try to age. unpack that a little, but uh, maybe age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, it's funny because I actually helped uh, with the first shows for Heilung as uh, management in background because we're just this group of friends uh, and we didn't expect that to go live. And if we did, that it'd be a one-time thing. So when you go in it like that, you think, well, let's make something out of it. You know, let's sure, make it really interesting. Let's yeah. record it from the get-go because we will maybe never do it again. Sure, of course. And um, and these people, my friends, they they also have as well. Two of them have a background also in in role playing as kids in the woods, and also the Viking reenactment markets come in play here. So sure. there is already that aspect of having lived this whole life before it, and having done these various forms of expression. And yeah, when it comes to that type of music there's also of course another layer involved which for lack of uh, you know going deep into terminology uh, i would call it shamanism or the esoterical sure. part yeah and course, yeah. these these worlds often have some kind of overlap to it um yeah. also uh, ritual you know whether it's uh, <laughs> during a music concert uh or in in a theater show mm. Yeah. There is a strong visual element involved uh, for the purpose, partly also to put your mind in another uh, mindset than the daily reality of things, to have that course, yeah. state of reality. And I think this is something that, uh, you know, bands actually through different genres probably yeah. also try to, to put on yeah. onto their stages, to I mean, have that, that audience in their worlds, you know? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a black metal guy, I can relate to that completely, you know? I mean, I've yeah, done a variation exactly. on the same theme for, <laughs> for 30 years. Um, it's yeah. just, I think what it is, that it really surprised the heavy metal people and the heavy metal audience because it sort of came from nowhere for us, even though I remember being on tour with Immortal in 2000, um, and Einar um, from Wardrunner was the drum tech, you know? 20 mm -hmm. something years ago and he told me about oh, i'm going to do this thing wardrun and we were like oh okay it seemed what are you going to do you're going to go on the mountain and do make all this uh, homemade instruments and and look where he is now it's quite an incredible journey uh, from over 20 years ago when he first told me about it but what seems to be the driving uh part of the engine behind its popularity is gaming as well because it's yeah. so perfectly dovetails with that environment, which um, sort of young people are immersing themselves into. I say, I don't mean your young people, old man shouts at clouds, but yet that young yeah. people are perfectly, um, it's it, it's sort of, it's perfect for gaming. And you have a lot, you have a lot of uh, sort of experience contributing music to games as well, which I also wanted to ask you about, but answer the first bit first. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, there is a lot of relevance to, uh, to, 
immersive experience, you could call it in a broader term. And, uh, you know, games, whether it's uh, on a tabletop uh, role-playing game where people just talk together and make up stories, storytelling. D&D like, oh, is I'm... tabletop, right? Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or, if it's, or if it's modern technology, uh, you know, this is this is definitely based on this whole immersive experience. Sure. Um, sure. But I think there is, there is a difference, though, between a form of es- escapism um, and actually trying to connect, and I think um, this is so such a sweet point with with live music concerts, where actually if you have such a live audience, there is that connection also, you know, that um, yeah. that sort of intertwining between uh, doing it together, you know, yeah, the, the it's, audience. It's a, it's a form of communion or something. You can call it communion, I suppose. So yeah. Good. Even that, yeah, people people do have that, yeah, spiritual uh, experiences even, mm. or that, yeah, that feeling of coming together, exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, but I guess games also, uh, if it's <laughs> if it's multiplayer, has that uh, aspect. So. <laughs> so, so then you were, uh, so which came first for you then? Obviously, you said mm-hmm. you were interested in, you grew up um, doing this sort of, I guess they call it, LARPing, would that be correct? Yeah, okay. yeah, that is it. <laughs> so. It's okay. Um, and then, but, well, yeah. but uh, no, it's it's interesting for me because maybe um, when I was sort of really interested in that kind of thing, and I was very interested in science fiction and fantasy when I was a teenager as well, but I didn't, um, there was no, like, I mean, I was 16 in 1990, uh, 1990, 91, 91. So it was before the internet and that kind of thing. And so there wasn't this other um, technological avenue that would have sat right beside my interests at the time, you know, because I was quite a nerdy kid who was really just into reading books and doing many of the same kind of things. But that was all there kind of was. You know, yeah. you played tabletop games the odd time, but I sort of, when I hit 13, 14, I was less interested. I just wanted to be in a band. But mm-hmm. probably if at 12 or 13, the similar kind of technology had been there, I might have moved sideways along with that kind of stuff as well it just seems mm-hmm. that this kind of music scene whether it's Heilung or something like these has kind of gestated uh is mm. that the right word it's all been born together at the same kind of time and i think there's also an incredible longing for people to so for sort of a sort of collective romantic nostalgia and um, which has been sort of um driven by some of the gaming you know, the people are sort of identifying with this um, middle age that we can argue about whether it did or didn't exist, but it's definitely been a driving force for that. And I think I see it as a kind of pan uh, sort of, no, I'm not going to say a pan-European thing or something, that's not necessarily true, but certainly a great longing amongst people. And I see this at crowds of people who pack in to watch Heilung at a festival. We've been at the same hmm. festival. You watch those, it seems to be a great appetite for this feeling of, I don't know if it's a lost longing or something like this, for some yeah. sort of element that they want to connect with but don't know how. Does that make any sense? It's, it does. Um, Sorry, a lot, yeah, to, well, lot to unpack there. but 
I'm, I'm thinking, um, well, my mind is, is brought to the topic of uh, also self-actualization or bringing the in internal to the outer world, whether that is an artist, you know, um, <laughs> learning an instrument yeah. and, and creating eventually, perhaps after doing 15 years of other bands and other shows, something uh, like a big, massive breakthrough show, uh, whether whether it is like a form of self-actualization and, and the presentation of that to an audience, I think every one individually the audience as well the people who enjoy it also are working on that topic within themselves they recognize something of probably themselves or something that definitely piques their interests and touches this yeah sensitive snare inside them and they find connection and that brings communion also because part of that communion experience in the audience is that there's a lot of people there coming together that share uh, well at least love for the music they're gonna see but also probably a whole subculture around it mm. um, there's a lot of connecting points uh, for all these people um, and yeah I think well what can I say about it it like attracts like <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think there's some element of it that is <laughs> Do you think there's some element of it that is a sort of existential longing for some sort of old Europe or some sort of connection to some, even if it's romantic or nostalgic or fantastical? It seems to, yeah. me, to it seems to me to have been all of this stuff seems to have gotten really popular at a time when people seem to be so uprooted from their past and their culture and their history that this mm. somehow seems to have become like some sort of um, I don't know. Uh, motif or something like this some sort of emblematic of this sort of something lost innate that they don't really quite know how to relate to that's sometimes because I, I mean these are the things i've been singing about for 30 years and yeah. when all these bands started to play at all the metal festivals i i talked to many grumpy metalheads and they were like who the fuck is this band and why are they playing last and i said mate look at them you can't yeah. put them on at three in the afternoon which is you know very clever um mm. but also isn't it so much? Isn't it so great that these bands are here trying to do this? Then, grindcore bands singing about fucking killing prostitutes or something, or some rap metal or whatever you would have been somewhere there. That there's this is something how this somehow has some some more sort of organic, natural, you know, nature related thematic that has got to be better for us as a people that people are relating to this. Or maybe I was yeah. just being a bit too. Um, well, reading I, things into it that aren't there. I'm not sure, but I think I think I I think there was something there in that. Well, this is this is definitely uh, this is definitely an echo you see all across all the platforms. Is that how people relate to this music? Is definitely personal or um, internalized even. Echo. And echo. yeah, perhaps they are. Uh, perhaps there is a, a part uh, that is seeking, you know, this this main expression that's always used, seeking your roots, wanting mm -hmm. to connect to each other, to nature, to history. Yeah. Um, and definitely that sort of sub-branches into <laughs> different groups who take that uh, with more uh, a grain of salt or like go actually into the extreme, uh, extremer expressions of that internal feeling. Um, and that is quite a sliding scale, I have to say, because if I would compare it to other rising new music genres, there was always that form of um, this is it. I have found it. You know, if you if you speak to the hardcore fans and 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 such niche around uh, a music genre. So I don't know if this 
new, uh, let's call it nature-based music genre, sure. history-based, um, is something other than another <laughs> uh, new genre with, with fans who just very much identify with it, yeah. or if it's actually a basis for something bigger. Some could call that even relig religious aspects, spiritual sure. aspects. Yeah. There's a lot of um, personal attachment that I see. Yeah. And yeah. you could also say that a lot of the artists that are making this type of music feel that personal connection to um, I want to express something here that is important to me, which often does relate back to nature or some aspects of history. But I do find it important to know that there's a difference between echoing history and being very interested in uh, runic texts, you know, and, and all this new stuff that you could probably dig yourself in really deeply and, and to combine it with personal reflection. Mm. And I, I, I personally enjoy a lot that somehow twine it into personal reflection or more contemporary ideas about how we can implement knowledge from the past in the present what is still relevant today you heard that from from yeah. Einar so it's 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 well as many people as there are there's quite some levels here <laughs> Well, I think it's, people go into it or no, not. No, but, I think it's. Yeah. I, think it, I think it's very interesting, and I and I I, I totally agree with you. And hmm. I would say that it's a trend. There's no doubt about it. But it's a positive trend. You know, I yeah. mean, I've seen many trends come and throw come and go through the festival season and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I think there is a very great want and will amongst people for what they perceive as exotic or of the other, like something mm -hmm. of the of the uh, of the other. And you know, there's um. This is exemplified in this music quite perfectly. But as I said to many grumpy metalheads who were like, oh, who the fuck is this? I said, well, isn't it great that somehow this is maybe connecting people to their culture, to their history, to their past? Now, as you say, there's a percentage of people who just love dressing up. And yeah. they just love for music, it's great to game too. Um, and, that you know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there will be a percentage of people who it will be a gateway into going, well, okay, where did my family come from? Let's look into my local mm -hmm. myths and legends. And that's kind of um, a bit where, uh, you know, the things I've been trying to sing about for 30 years, but maybe, you know, just wore the wrong outfits. I don't know. But <laughs> um, but I, th I do find, I find it a very positive trend, even if the yeah. music sometimes leaves me on the shore. I'm not really into, I can't really relate to some of the world new age isms of elements of it. Um, it's yeah. a bit too light for me sometimes, but I do think it's a very positive trend. And it's got to be one thing I've also, I, I think that's very uh, strong about it is the sort of element of um, the sort of feminine power, if that's the right word, that seems to be at the head of some of this music. Because if you look back to mm. Celtic civilization or um, if you look back through, uh, you know, my own, you know, sort of pre-Christian history, the, the, yeah. the, the, um, it was, you know, Celtic society was very much a matriarchal society on some level. And so, so something that deep, deeply primal within that echo, as you say, which is a great word, that's one of the word I was maybe searching for, the sort of echo, mm -hmm. um, that I find really sort of interesting, fascinating, and like I said, positive about all of this kind of music. I don't know what you think. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you see what I'm, do you know what I mean? 
Well, yeah, I I hear you here, and I I have to say that this is very nice because you, if you dig into that old cultural way yeah. and tradition, you will uh, of course end up with with older societies that have worked uh, in a different form, yeah. uh, matriarchies instead of patriarchies and stuff like that, or or more tribal forms uh, of living and especially local resourcing. You know, yeah. and there's definitely a lot to dive in. And I think this is one of the first moments I actually see people really digging into their history, um, which before <laughs> was definitely not the most popular topic, you know. And there's so much treasure in history because, well, we keep repeating it. We, or <laughs> at least human nature has that tendency to keep repeating the same type of patterns. Mm. And um, I think we, we can look back and see what is, what is something that we can implement today. Mm. Um, and also, you could say uh, it's nice to have the effort to preserve old instrumentation, old melodies, oh, um, of course, yeah. old texts, you know, because who else is going to dust them off? And in that sense, yeah. we're really speaking of quite a revolution here, because if you would have talked to anyone 15 years ago, which I did, it was very hard to find, you know, people who, who, who could find more information for you. You really had to go through mm. the archives. And so now there's such a broader way to carry this type of information. On the other hand, with so much information going on, it's also there is always that tiny little bit of risk where people make it that much personal and uh, internal that they sort of put their own ideas on top of it and say this is this is how you should view things. This is what they meant, you know. And and when people start to weaponize it or politicize it that that is a problem to me because for me source material is just as it is it's a neutral ground you can learn from history our mistakes you know and also the things we did great um because then you know we had for example i really i'm such a fan of local resources <laughs> we now we, we we you know we grow our pears in some country ship it to the other side of the world to get it wrapped and then you have it in the supermarket here I'm, so I'm, i mean i think that uh, as as something gets popular um and it begins to you know the sort of train begins to leave the station and get you know increasingly out of um, control. There's nothing you can do about who decides to politicize or weaponize it. I mean, having yeah. as I said being involved in black metal for 30 years, I mean that's that's the fucking um, you know. If you can learn anything from that, that's exactly where that happens, you know. And there's really nothing you can do with that. But I mean, um, I'm also kind of like. Uh, let me ask you this though. Being Dutch, though, I mean, there are certain countries that are synonymous with traditional music and traditional instruments. Like, say, Irish traditional music is huge, and this is a, a massive thing. But Dutch traditional music, is there yeah. such a thing? Or am I being sort of ignorant about that? Or, or is that the reason why you gravitated towards uh, yeah. um, Norse, the equivalent yeah. of Norse mythology or music? Well, mythology? yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question, because I had... Yeah, I had that question before, you know, why don't you, could you not sing something in Dutch or could you look into oh. it there? And I have to say, uh, I haven't found personally source material from here uh, in a time period that I find interesting to put sure. into art yeah. because I need that personal um, 
yeah relevance but also that fascination which i simply have not found in my own uh culture but also we as the dutch we we kind of you know we were everywhere as well uh, as merchants and horrible traders so i would imagine <laughs> and, uh, but i would yeah. imagine i would imagine there are dutch um there's medieval elements, yeah. uh, that you, yeah. you know if that was your chosen period of history you could find yeah. lots of medieval inspiration but you're going obviously much further back you know yeah yeah and also i um i don't necessarily you know i'm i more look at it as northern western europe mm. than typically dutch typically german yeah. typically old high german old frisian you know of course there's treasure there if 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 you really want to dig into it i know some groups that are making amazing stuff but it's just not that personal connection that yeah. i have to it as well as uh if i look really objectively at my career even if i would find a great traditional melody here i would be less inclined to duplicate it again and um i more want to really make my own uh texts and my own melodies yeah but i sort of look into the past and see okay how was it done then what can i learn from that uh what type of form of poetry writing did they use in which meters in what form and then take that into the present but well, yeah uh yeah i mean it's um i suppose it's similar to i mean i'm not sure that in ireland there is a uh, people really know about any sort of um old old irish celtic um sort of musical um instrumentation or something like this but certainly obviously people want to delve into irish traditional music mm. but you know well, that's still a kind of rich vein to tap into that still exists in the modern day but what you guys are kind of doing is resurrecting something that i mean i remember this band hidden in garner which was sort of popular yeah. 20 25 years ago um i still listen to them <laughs> Yeah that, was, yeah, that was kind of one of the first CDs I picked up where I was like, kind of, okay, what the fuck is this? Is this a kind of a Norwegian dead can dance or, you know, but it made some kind of impression. But that was the first time that I heard yeah. someone try and do that kind of thing. Yeah, it was actually Hedningarna and also Garmana, the, the old Garmana. And um, yeah, this type of groups also that can dance that, that for me really pushed that whole like, oh, I like this type of sounds. This, this, this has something that, uh, that I can relate to, you know, that I feel, um, I don't know what to call it exactly by name, but that I feel that relation with. So well, maybe that was actually one of the influences why I looked into Scandinavian folklore as well besides you know the the, the gaming interests yeah. so yeah um, well, hmm. one, thing, one thing I'm kind of curious about is um, how you get involved with doing the music for games and that kind of thing I mean yeah. um, I can say from being say involved in the Irish music industry or rather not involved I excluded for the last 30 years um, well yeah. certainly Primordial is the biggest heavy metal band from Ireland probably in well yeah and there's absolutely it's a very sort of weird closeted closed scene where there is no mixing mm. of genres and people and it there's no real recognition of whatever i suppose heavy music or whatever but nobody would say to me hey you want to do vocals for this other kind of um project that's about maybe celtic mythology or something yeah. like this. of course yeah. 
of course, let's say the trend hasn't or the trend hasn't come round to there isn't a series called The Celts yet on Netflix. No, you know I mean? no, there not, is, yet. not yet. <laughs> so, you know, maybe it's my time is coming around with these things. But what I mean is um, I, we've always felt very, very on the outside of Irish um, musical uh, society or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know yeah. maybe maybe heavy metal thrives on that alienation that kind of thing, but I'm I'm sort of been doing my homework on your sort of timeline, and it seems like a very short period of time from when you started doing like um let's see here folk noir is what I'm looking at I'm not a, hmm. at the same time and I'm just sort of uh, till you're doing then music for this um this Viking movie Red Bad Red Beard I guess that is you know. Yeah, Red Bad. That that was actually based on an old uh, Frisian mm. uh, history. And then, and then the next year, you're doing the main theme for the Xbox game Vigor. So, how did you get into? <laughs> so, yeah. kind of, to me, it seems sort of like a sort of. Um, I mean, maybe it's because I'm so alienated from that scene, or I'm so, I don't really understand it exactly, in the sense that you you can kind of sidestep into all of these things, and it seems to do really, really neatly fit in together. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I. this is actually a, a question I don't actually objectively know the answer to myself because for most of these projects I was, um, you know, emailed or called up. Okay. So I haven't, uh, I haven't shot out uh, a thousand emails like, uh, please listen to my music, can you plug it somewhere? Yeah. Um, I do have to say that I have, of course, been doing the music with the older type of instruments for quite some time. Mm. And that might have helped in uh, producers looking for players that are actually um, having that skill set that they, sure. that yeah, they yeah. can that, approach. That, that makes um, yeah. So and that together with uh, social media angle or YouTube, you know, having a video with, with quite some, some views yeah, yeah. helps for people because well for all i know they're just lazy typing in the word this or that and True. there you yeah, go yeah. You pop up. yeah but uh but to give myself also a little bit of credit i think you know with red bat for example that was the first collaboration with trevor morris um he found it very fitting because i was actually dutch to work with a player from here that yeah. also accidentally played instruments from this time period so he had done his homework and approached me that was a good collaboration. So when the Vikings Valhalla spin-off came around, uh, yeah. I was the first one to be called, you know, like, oh, I finally, I have an opening for you. I'd love to have you on the team. It's yeah. a team of people. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so it is a little bit helpful, you know, to have that kind of, uh, you could say, returning uh, offers, as well as probably colleagues who then notify your work um, yeah as the saying goes if you do one thing right usually hopefully something else follows it's, it's kind of like a perfect storm of things in a sense you've got your own talent your own um the own yeah. things that you're building and making and creatively doing yourself and then also the sort of cultural zeitgeist of whether it's vikings on netflix and all that kind of thing is sort of moving in a parallel yeah. um, sort of way, so you can kind of step from one to the other is what I seem to observe from, you know, sort of the outside of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and exactly that type of uh, jumping here and there, uh, that that I have to say is also quite a threat through what I've been doing because I, I you know, I, I have been circling also around doing work with other music groups, um, 
<laughs> giving you know uh, a tip here or there if oh uh, you're looking for her the player i just happen to know a few so there is that yeah, maybe yeah. that vibe you know that yeah, yeah. uh oh, this 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 girl from the netherlands she knows some old players better ask her and um it just happened from enthusiasm my own enthusiasm you yeah. know there you know how the saying goes the things you love your your mouth spills over with so that's what i've <laughs> that's how i've behaved over the last 10 15 years and that's um, how you get in that's how you got involved in doing then the soundtrack for the as you said um Vikings Valhalla then this kind of spin-off thing yeah yeah on on invitation as well as the vigor game you mentioned and uh, some other projects that are on the uh, still running but uh, yeah it, it happens on invitation um, and of course sometimes it also doesn't work out <laughs> I, I did do the assay uh, Assassin's Creed from Ubisoft Valhalla in the earliest earliest days uh, I was consulting them and you know if you do actually a good consulting job that means you also talk about all the other options out there yeah because that's first and foremost you want to help the products forward I mean and certainly I think that in a music industry which is let's be honest sort of um, the traditional methods of the music industry are, are pretty much dead um, yeah. and sometimes I look at things from um, my sort of old-fashioned perspective and I realized that they're sort of well they're old-fashioned and they're sort of anachronistic and the idea I remember mm -hmm. talking to I think it was a guitar player of septic flesh years and years ago and he told me he was making music for computer games and it was one of the I mean yeah. we were on tour and he was just going and this is 2003 maybe four and I was like wow, wow. holy fuck okay wow and he was just like mate you have no idea we make nothing when we will make nothing as technology moves, as traditional heavy metal musicians, forget it. But this, you know, this will pay properly. Because, wow. because when what he clearly understood was that he understood and had a glimpse into technology that maybe I wasn't privy to at that moment, which was that um, you can't pirate a massive platform computer game. It's just impossible. No. So yeah. therefore, um, what, what computer game sales now dwarf music sales, and they certainly dwarf... Um, and once streaming came in where, I mean, I'm sort of, I understand it, but I'm fundamentally against the principle on some level in the sense that the musician is the last in line. And, you know, if Spotify mm -hmm. plays, pays you 0 0.7, cent per stream, well, look, yeah, yeah, we don't need to discuss how unridiculously unfair that is, but that's mm -hmm. how the playing field was set because, mm -hmm. um, you know, musicians don't have a, a lobby. They don't have a union, yeah. they don't have this kind of thing. And so it yeah. seemed to me that um, a, a lot of people kind of got left behind in understanding how the technology was moving. And they also got mm. kind of left behind in understanding that like, oh, I could do what I'm doing normally and also do all these, potentially try and do some of these other things. Even though I understand like um, I have a cousin who pitches on games and he pitches on movies and he said, man, the work I used to get 10 years ago, now there's hundreds of people all of you yeah yeah all of you guys are now pitching on my same movies you know so i don't know does it feel like does it feel like you're trying to get how we say um a smaller piece of a bigger pie or are you trying to get do you I mean do you find that you're inundated with offers or you've solidly solidified your reputation now i guess so well, i don't know yeah know. does that make well, sense what i'm saying yeah it does make sense um it, it's yeah it's gosh it's that 
super cheesy saying, it's really how you look at it. Is the glass half full or is it half empty? You know, you got to look at the things you you have achieved and, and learned from as well and be grateful for those experiences because that in the end is what you need to keep doing this type of shit for so long, exactly with like how many cents per stream, you know, nothing. So it's important to have a, a strong internal drive and to have that sense of um, I'm doing this because I enjoy uh, doing it and this is how I enjoy life and it has probably even some greater meaning yeah. uh, at least for myself personally to express myself and have that self-actualization through it but on the other hand of course there is always a competitive element you cannot deny it but it, look at how many people are on the world you know there will always be people who are similar to what you're doing but you can only have control about how you stand in the world, in your corner of the world, and do the best job you can. I, I truly believe that. Because if if we focus on our losses, we you know, we, we lose our drives. So uh, yeah, it's important to to yeah, stay put your put your arrow uh, you know, your compass straight for that. This Especially is true. yeah. I mean I will yeah. say I'm a I've been a a glass half empty man since the day I was born most probably but you know um no what I'm I'm what I'm, I agree with you completely um you know you make your own luck so to speak you know the the, the you know the the what you give out you get back in so to speak but uh, what I'm kind of fascinated by is um what I'm what I'm trying to get at is how you can have a cultural zeitgeist and a sort of perfect storm of things mm. that go together uh, at being at the sort of inception of a scene like that it appears to me that you're part of and as somebody who's from a different scene that arguably maybe had its peak 25 years ago um it, technologically an awful lot of people and musicians sort of feel a bit left out in the cold from that mm. and it's some of it is by ignorance some of it's by just stubbornness some of it's by just no fault of their own other than that uh, the industry and the technology kind of passed them by but yeah. what you're doing when i look at your through your career and when i was you know doing my homework and looking at your listening to your music and all this kind of stuff i went all right okay so you've come to sort of it seems for this scene a perfect combination of you know the kind of the aesthetic the videos the music but also um involving it in the side of technology and gaming and stuff that um you know all seems to kind of make sense in a way yeah. that i suppose for more traditional people they're not the avenues they would have really thought of or maybe if they weren't even open to them so you know what i mean and i just find that um, i'm just kind of interested in the idea like do you consider yourself to have been at the sort of inception of a scene do you know what I mean? Like that's as a it's an interesting yeah. kind of concept to know. Um, in hindsight, yeah. do you go? Oh, I was one of the first of that kind of thing, and therefore you kind of reap the rewards of that. Does that make you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I, I think this is uh, your conclusion. I I think it's okay to say yes to that. Uh, yeah, I was one of the earlier ones, <laughs> and of course, uh, it's also important to to a certain point um protect your work by you know sticking to your own originality um but well it is it is what you could say a trend right now I, I, if i think about other genres that may have come 
earlier, it's also a matter of how much is a certain type of musical expression suited for other platforms, uh, objectively speaking. If you have a lot more ambient sound, there will be a higher chance it fits to a cinematic cue exactly. than if it's a power song, you know, uh, that this, has a lot of guitars and vocals, especially exactly. vocals, which I love, by the way, because that's like the soul of the song. But vocals are a directive. So for a cue or for a video game, then you really need to find the right match or the right type of music or that's... maybe, the, yeah, the perfect road trip uh, movie about this type of music, you know. And if it's not there, create it. This is very interesting because this comes back to the very first thing that we talked about, which is the movement from an, an aural to an optical world, in a sense yeah. that this, this, is what, this is sometimes what I, when I watch, you know, I, I keep picking the name Heilung. There's a few other ones that are on my tip of my tongue, but um, when I watch it and hear it, it makes sense. When I close my mm. eyes, it makes less sense to me as a heavy metal musician, so to speak. Mm. Um, but okay. of course, for people who are gaming and listening, it makes mm -hmm. or a pick or pick another band where the music is more cinematic and sort of aural, yeah. and that's because I suppose fundamentally what this music is is it is a more um, it suits the more sort of optical modern world. And as you mm. say, if you're gaming and you have music which is interrupting the brain, sort of yeah. the sort of a cognitive relationship with the game which exactly. is full of yeah. beats and words your gut's yes. going to distract you so yes. in a sense again it comes back to the yeah. well to me it comes back to the, the it being an optical world but also to the perfect storm um of the cultural zeitgeist which is you, yeah you, you just happen this happenstance music fits perfectly into this yeah. um, but you know for for the for the people who came uh, earlier uh, of which some of them actually also now tour worldwide, but they were there probably a little bit earlier with, with their little little toggle harpa on some mountain, and they would probably be there 20 years after, you know, when people had, had you know, really had enough of it. They will still sit there with their, sure, with their little harpa. Sure, of course, harp. yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> yeah exactly. it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a point in time. Um, one of my most favorite debates among a few colleagues is have we picked yet you know is this is this it but there seems to be more and more and more coming and i also sense it's branching out through more uh general ethnic alternative yeah fantasy type of products yeah uh, or if if we're talking about film or um, yeah, yeah. tv shows I think uh, but oh, sorry uh but hopefully for you maybe there's also going to be other branches for example that fantastic show that i really want to see about the celts on history channel well, well <laughs> why hasn't there been um i mean you know the celtic um if you take irish um you know um folkloric legends whether it's i don't know um you know deirdre and the sons of ishnach and like our our mythology our celtic mythology is built for yeah. it's it's ready made for an exact yeah. kind of similar series to um, Vikings, for example, and the Celts. Definitely. I don't know. Maybe the Celts are uh, they're not as uh, romantic a proposition. I don't know. I can't believe that they aren't. I don't see you know, why there shouldn't be. 
Yeah, I had to, uh, uh, maybe this is too specific, but I, I'm thinking immediately about the fact that I had the same thought as, as you. Why hasn't there been yet? When yeah. I was watching this uh, fantastic show written by Neil Gaiman called American Gods, um, and there's one episode where they actually do a backstory about uh, an old uh, Gaelic myth. Yeah. And that that whole episode you know could have been the start of a whole new series because it had all those points that we have yeah. in the zeitgeist today yeah. the aesthetics that we love the the coloring even yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know yeah. so well i would say there's a market for it yeah. maybe maybe this conversation will spin something out eventually <laughs> i'm i'm also maybe i know it just fascinates me you know it's like um and, and i'm not i'm not um compl uh, complaining or anything about it it's just an observation it's like well that's unusual why that hasn't happened because yeah. there, is, there is a rich tapestry of folklore to um, dive into. I also think one of the things that um, is really fascinating about the kind of what what would you call this scene, this sort of new folk or new, what should we call it for the purposes of this conversation? Uh, we can't call it new romantic yeah. folk or somebody would get it. Yeah. But it's one thing I find is um, I, I, I do recognize is that um, a friend of mine um, saw some of these bands at a festival and her first comment was like oh they look like the people from the games mm. and i was like mm. yeah you're perfectly right and yeah. this is the sort of cognitive um sort of connecting it's like oh because people, <laughs> people who've played assassin's creed or who've played um i'm not good with names of games but games where the characters do now look like the people on the stage um yeah is almost very it's mm. perfect you know like when i when i look at as i said high long or whatever i go oh i see how i can plot the, to me it to me i can plot the connection between okay whether it's as you say the lord of the rings um sort of middle alter instigator and plot it along mm. and go okay so you look a majority of people have played a game with characters that are resonant on some yeah. level with how this looks on yeah. the stage of course it looks amazing on the stage anyway but, yeah, but I, I have to add, sorry to, to interrupt you, but I have to oh. add something here because this has been brewing and boiling for a long time prior to this peak. And I think you had to, um, if you look at it now, it's easier to recognize. I mean, we've seen it also in metal music. There has been this implementation of culture, Nordic culture and mythology in artwork, in graphics, also sure. in stage styling and lyrics. Um, there's these groups, uh, I'm thinking like Amon Amarth, if I said this correct, or Tur, yeah. or Elevati from Switzerland. They actually look back to their, yeah. they look back to their uh, Swiss uh, Celtic roots because yeah. there was a Celtic tribe living there Latin, once. Latin Celts, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. This, is what, this is what pagan metal is, and this is what pagan metal was, yeah. sort of has been for all the years. I think pagan metal sort of went off the boil a little bit, maybe 10 years ago. And it feels like yeah. some, of, some of the stuff that's happening now took its place a little bit. And I think it's maybe because it didn't get to branch out into some of those other places yeah. necessarily. But yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's um, what I was trying to sort of, um, it, it's more the sort of subconscious thing, the optical mm -hmm. subconscious in the sense that people see that they go, oh, this, the, the, this all the kind of um, melding of those different worlds where somebody goes, well, you know, they look like, character mm. but they look you know it's it's a sort of what would you call it um 
not symmetry. It's not the right word. Synthesis. Yeah. Synthesis. It is a synthesis. Yeah, that's a great word. And and uh, definitely, there's also some synergy there. And I yep. think maybe it also has to do with the fact what is the basis of these types of expression in other media, in whether it's old books and stories like Tolkien, mm. uh, who of course look back at Nordic mythology, but you know all these fantasy shows as well. They they sort of reach back into archetypical expressions, uh, old forms, um, as well as that medieval uh, look, but uh, also that romanticism a little bit about the past. Um, there's something more going on here, I think even besides the music and the music yeah. genre that is now so yeah, yeah. big. It is in general that all these types of media are um, and especially if we look at the period before the peak, yeah. uh, we're already connecting to something. Yeah, yeah. Mythology, folklore yeah. has that capability to sort of carry um, carry these larger senses of self in ourselves. You know, we find the hero in there, we find yeah. the knights, uh, even uh, shapes like dragons or uh, yeah. monsters. The it's monster kind of, in you know, ourselves, you know. I think you're entire, yeah. I think you're definitely entirely right, and it comes back to a little bit what we just talked about. Maybe the second thing in, yeah. uh, which was that is this some sort of um, um, animistic sort of preternatural? Maybe that's the right word. I'm not sure. Atavistic, maybe um, longing for some sort yeah. of thing that we see that is lost in our modern culture because our modern culture is so swamped with. Um, yeah. sort of vulgar um, materialism and that kind of thing. And so, in a sense, um, this this kind of music is speaking to something that we somehow mm -hmm. know innately is lost. And maybe, I mean, I certainly see it as lost. And maybe some people hadn't thought about it before. Yeah. So it's awoken yeah. some sort of thing within them. Well, yeah. I Well, I cannot speak for others, but for me, that is the case. I mean, it is also whether it is music or anything else I do, there is that, uh, you use the word animism, which is which is the perfect term, that idea of having that uh, spirited uh, collective going on around us that of course has these deeper roots also, and probably if, if it works through us, also has archetypical expression. Mm. So mm, there's definitely uh, a bridge between uh, the inner world, you could say, uh, and the outer world. And um, I think what this art form also tries to do is to to work with that material, to actually, uh, if I make it really big, to have those spirits or ancestors mm, have yeah. their messages come through us because yeah. we are all just uh, an extension of the same energy yeah. you know yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking not at individualism here but actually just like we're just as the moment we're breathing we're just like little flowers living for a day right and then we collapse back yeah. and we're back in the earth and it's sort of it's this endless cycle yeah. and the way we express ourselves especially with this folkloric elements there seems to be that cyclical element as well well, it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly the thing that attracted me to when I, when we started Primordial in 91, 
and we weren't really interested in singing songs about Satanism, essentially. I mean, there were some elements of biblical myth that we incorporated or the idea of sort of Lucifer as, ad, you know, adversary or whatever you want to call it. But fundamentally, we were more interested in, um, I suppose, the sort of shamanistic pagan elements of sort of, we didn't, I didn't really quite know how to um, uncover them yet, but the sort of, of uh, pre-Christian society, whether it was Celtic, but even though we weren't really a Celtic metal band, but we had elements of that sort of mm. dark, um, the dark underbelly yeah. of that sort of fundament. And yeah. I think that there's always been an element of metal, um, especially pagan metal, what do you want to call it, has tried to connect in the same way. And maybe that's why some of this music um, aesthetically sort of resonates with me in a way that even if I don't resonate necessarily with the sound of it, sometimes it, mm. it I think it's a very, it's a, it's a very, um, strong force for positive good in a sense yeah. culturally mm -hmm. mythologically historically yeah. because it's it's, yeah. it's trying to, it's doing the same a similar thing to the, to what we tried to have been trying to do but our uh let's say avenue always took or took us maybe to the darker side of yeah the woods or human yeah. nature, so to speak. Our, and sometimes yeah. this moves sometimes this moves in a in a way that i think is it has a broader hmm. church could that yeah well, nature is, of course, has, has no good or evil, you know, the, the, one could call it almost the ultimate neutral. There's just impulse, drive, and there's definitely also collective energy, yeah. or in my, in my <laughs> opinion, um, and, you know, these teams, dark, light, uh, good, evil, I, I don't think in these types of terminology. Well, these kind of borders, these borders are human made. Sure. That's not, well, that's not uh, how nature operates. <laughs> well, sure. So. Well, what, but what I mean by, well, what I mean by what I was trying to say is that in a sense, yeah. our prism through which to navigate through this was black metal, which inherently yeah. Yeah. has a form of negativity, fundamentally mm. or esoteric, um, you know, sort of, um, what shall we call it? Um, nefarious, or not nefarious is not the right word, a sort of fundamentally dark view of the world that goes hand in yeah. hand with it. That um, I sometimes I see when I see with this music, it, ha it has um, something very different that I think has a broader church of appeal, yeah. um, which yeah. is not quite so exclusionary. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Oh, it does, uh, of course, yeah. That's but, not, to, not to say that the things we're yeah. singing about were binary choices of good and evil. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but we, you know, I would I would say there's this um, there is something they have in common though because, as you said, um, it's not about these these shapes. You know, it, one is this and the other is that. But they do both uh, share that drive of working with something other then uh, daily reality, um, it does tap into a layer of existence that talks about our deepest impulses, drives, emotions, and it expresses that, in, well, in a raw form. And shamanism and shamanistic music is also quite a raw form, as well as metal. Um, but I think there they might, you know, uh, reach commonality because I, I, there's something of our instincts. Yeah, there's a prim there's a primacy. There's a primacy yeah. to it. Yeah, definitely, exactly. I'd agree with that. Um, I suppose I'm just thinking of how it's interpreted in the broader sense. Yeah. I.e., yeah. you know, tell me this though. Um, 
the instruments that you're playing, I mean, are you making them? Or like, no. how is, there, is there somewhere you can go where you can just buy these instruments or how does that work? Sorry to just completely. Uh, yeah, well, apart from, uh, okay, there's a few instruments I do make. I have to correct myself, but this is just because they are, for example, conscious shells. And then I make them into blowing horns Okay. Uh, by taking the tip off and making some measurements. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also I wanted to be part of the building of my Kravikliera by uh, instrument builder Sver Heimdall in Norway. I, I asked him if I could be there because I wanted to have that personal uh, involvement and uh, of carving it out, stringing it up, um, just to have that, yeah, that's also maybe an animistic form mm. of creating an instrument to really work through it as far as I could do that. Uh, when it comes to my skin drums or nickel harpa, or harpa, I went through other specialists. Uh, my drum is made by someone um, that has a very long history of drum making and doing that with respect for the animal and the life of the animal as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a mishmash of uh, finding the right people or uh, trying to work with it as much as I can. And then when it comes to the playing of it, I think this is where I try to make the connection to um, the molecules, <laughs> to the to the matter, you know, to, to infuse it by playing it. I, mm. I actually name my instruments. I'm not sharing those names, but I they all have a name. That's so. okay. That's <laughs> yeah. okay. I, think, yeah. I, think, I think we all do that on my, my base even behind me or might exactly. have the name as well but i won't yeah I won't, I won't it's almost that. yeah it's what what do they call it anthropomorphic it's uh something anthropomorphic, become, yes. yeah it becomes something more mm. if you if you uh, don't let it die by not playing it <laughs> and, and you're, uh, yeah exactly and your process is then i mean are you just doing it like on a home studio and you just start and you just work on a like as you would say a riff or an idea and then you just sort of build on yeah. it or what uh, it's different per song. Uh, I usually start from poetry okay. uh, because text is important to me. Text for me is the carrier of what I want to carry through the song. Mm. And the melody, uh, sometimes it starts with the melody, but these are rare occasions for me. And I have understood a lot of other people work the other way around. Um, but I, I need that poetry uh, as the first and foremost expression. And then I will see which parts of the poetry I keep actually onto the final music piece because sometimes pieces are written a lot longer, but I maybe use only a few sentences in the final music. But I I know it's part of a bigger sure. text, right? Yeah, I, I understand yeah. that because I'm I mean as a yeah. lyrics myself, very often sometimes hmm. I would write a lyric and then maybe I would sort of mathematically go okay well this has got you've got to put this bits around the words essentially you know yeah um, i think yeah. it's the inner part of me that isn't really a musician sort of going all right yeah. we'll start with the words first and then sort of <laughs> yeah. around it you know so what's your next what's your next thing that you're going to do then well, I'm still working on my album. It's gaining in speed now. I, that's that's what I can say about it. When you're okay. when you're booking studios for final mixing and mastering, you're you're getting there. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, I think this is this is the, the the key thing I'm doing. And next to that, I'm of course doing 
some of these projects that we discussed already, where someone approaches you for a project, uh, yeah. for, for cinema, whatever, and, uh, and you work out uh, what they need and if I can provide it to them. So, yeah, what, these two things. And what about mm. standing on a stage somewhere? Where is, have you, is this something that yeah. you found that you missed during the pandemic or have you done it since the pandemic is over? I haven't done it for years. Uh, no. no, I haven't stand on the stage for years. And there's, there's practical reasons for it, but uh, also I really want to do it uh, only again when I can deliver a totally new products, meaning a full new album, because this is, if I look back at uh, my last solo album, it almost is made by another person. You know, I have changed uh, a lot myself and that also comes through in how my music sounds today. Okay. Um, so to actually step on the stage again, uh, we'd want to do a proper production, uh, fully new production and a fully new band. So you don't want to do the greatest hits, you just want to do the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and I had to figure that out because it was actually during the pandemic where I did have a rehearsal with some people and I couldn't, I couldn't uh, play the old songs anymore with a with a good feeling because they were done. You know, they had. Um, that's maybe not how the audience sees it, mm. but for that part of my life, they were done. I, I have performed them many times, uh, but there's also a time where you have to move on and uh, say, okay, uh, new new material, new production, but. I cannot tell anyone when, uh, and that makes me a little sad. I'm I'm not afraid to share that because sometimes I get these wonderful offers, and I just hold them off because only when the time is right I'll do it again uh, on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I mm. mean, as someone who always you know toured and always played, the pandemic was a sort of interminable. Uh, <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, from people. Yeah, yeah. It's well, almost like how you yeah how you do sports right or it's that personal habit um it's a release it's, of uh, yeah that release yeah. of energy yeah. and uh, I, I mean also there's there's things that people don't necessarily want to talk to about it mm. talk about with it i mean of course agency um but there was mm -hmm. also an element of i suppose inherent power powerlessness about not yeah. having that the yeah. thing of being on stage that people who maybe haven't been on stage don't really recognize but maybe it's um i'm not sure um if it's a masculine feminine thing i'm not really too sure i haven't analyzed it in great detail maybe it's just a me thing i don't know mm -hmm. or things like me but um i found the um what you've done is you'd kind of lost your superpower yeah you know yeah. um and well, you, yeah exactly yeah, to be surreptitious about it you know um and so I do understand. that's kind of yeah. how i explain it to uh, to somebody who would be outside of what that yeah. meant and yeah. so um that you had no sense of well you had no sense of power anymore yeah that's an important sort of aphrodisiac to mm. or, uh, to your creative element or you whether it is to relevant yeah. your ego or whatever that kind of thing i suppose and so the idea oh. that like oh we just stay inside now okay as a person who needs to well, keep moving some, and keep on there's actually a lot of what you're saying <laughs> there's a lot of what you're saying uh, and mentioning and i think all of these aspects in various degrees per person probably are a part of it you know and there is that 
you know you you don't just stand on the stage for nothing you've worked towards that and you have something to share you have especially singing the act yeah. of singing you know for me it's like it's your soul it's yeah. like ah there's so much going on mm. um so to to miss doing that almost vocation you know yeah, in life exactly, or that yeah. to miss that aspect yeah of life and and probably also a little bit of what you're supposed to do yeah. um it's the only time it's the only time where you, it, to me it's the only time where you really make sense yeah. but also yeah. the idea personally like if 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 all of it never came back i probably wouldn't make any more heavy metal to me there wouldn't be yeah. any, there wouldn't be any point i might yeah. have to do some other kind of music because the heavy metal yeah. doesn't make any sense in any other way yeah you know yeah yeah, it's very, um, very much connected to the live performing uh, aspects for sure. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe then I'm lucky <laughs> that I can sort of uh, mediate between it. But, but that, that's, of course, yeah, that's yeah. What kind of, that's what I've been sort of interested in about having, the, you know, the sort mm. of different levels of that kind of thing. You know, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, yeah. uh, I find it sort of fascinating. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Um, well, I mean, yeah. genuinely, I mean, coming to the end of this now, but genuinely, as, as it's really kind of what I, well, more so what I find fascinating is the idea that here's a kind of music that I have a sort of um, innate respect as somebody who's interested in culture and history, mythology, you know, sort of, just say, paganism, whatever that may, how we interpret mm -hmm. that, but our relationship to our past and that kind of thing, where the music yeah. kind of left me a bit on the shore, so to speak, yeah. um, ish. But um, that, I, like I said, I, I just see it as this sort of um, um, movement for sort of good within society as a, in a cultural sort of sense, you know what I mean? And so therefore yeah. it overrides my natural um, cynicism, you know what I mean? It's just kind mm -hmm. of like there's a, there's a very great overriding button. It's like it just my, somebody just went, no, just... This this, this, <laughs> this stuff can this stuff can fucking this stuff can go on by you know because I think it's got um a sort of very positive energy for people to try and connect with and if it as we say makes yeah. a percentage of people resonate or you know with their past then that yeah. has to be a good thing you know so you must see yeah. I mean do you see yourself as a sort of agent for positive good in society then to end on <laughs> oh well I'm definitely not that ancient agent I would say uh, but I can I can definitely sometimes open my mouth <laughs> about what I think, you know, people should be mindful of. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah um, I, meant, I meant good in a sort of, you know, subjective yeah. sense, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I'm just, I think all we can be, uh, and I think this is what, what is the most important we can be, is truly ourselves, whether that is a cynic, uh, stoic, uh, you know, um, existentialism a little bit, you know, and to actually talk about that, I find that incredibly refreshing. Um, so for me, what is most important for myself and the people I meet in the world is to just uh, stop the masks. Uh, I don't mean the COVID masks, but I mean just be your authentic self and um and and hopefully uh, that creates better communication and also to accept each other being you know sometimes different uh, a different of opinion um that makes it interesting it's yeah. terrible if we all agree all the time 
I, I agree. Well, I mean, you know, diversity, if you want diversity, then you also want diversity of opinion, I guess, which it yeah. seems the people who talk most about diversity don't want diversity of opinion. But <laughs> I managed yeah. to go a whole episode without discussing, yeah. uh, you know, well, cancel culture and free speech and all that kind of thing. But I think that's a really good place to to leave it with that last statement that yeah. you made. So I'll press sure. the um, Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 